How many of y'all got 17? All right. How many of y'all got a little short of 17? Start the music. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. How many of y'all are ready for an exciting study tonight? Amen. It's going to be great. Romans chapter 10. Hurry up and get over there. Uh, we, are, we are currently uh, dealing with a topic, what in the world is God doing with Israel? What is he doing with Israel? Can God be trusted? He made promises to Israel. He made a covenant with Israel. Uh, Israel messed up. They rejected God, and they rejected the Messiah. Now, what is the deal with Israel? Uh, uh, the, Paul is speaking here in, the, in this letter to Rome. He is speaking to the Jewish uh, uh, people there in Rome and encouraging them with God's plan for Israel. It is different now, but God still has a plan. How many of you are glad even when we mess up, God's plan will come through? He's still got a plan. He can work stuff. He can work stuff. He can move stuff from here and bring it over here, and he can make it happen in our life. Even when we go the wrong direction, I'm glad God can recompute, and he can make it happen, help us get where we need to get. Amen? So that's where we're at. Last week, we talked about Israel's election. Election, how God chose the nation of Israel, and God uh, uh, picked them for a specific purpose and, uh, and a calling in their life. Well, tonight, we're going to deal primarily with Israel's rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ and true salvation, because there is one way to get saved. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says. I don't care what the TV says. I don't care what the Internet says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I feel a little preach coming on tonight. Amen. Uh, I've got to preach in Ohio tomorrow night. And w- let's just get it off the runway tonight. Amen. And, and talk about salvation God's way. And why and, and everything we can about Israel's rejection. We're going to talk basically three things. The reason for their rejection. Uh, we're going to talk about the remedy for their rejection, and then the results of their rejection. In other words, their rejection of Jesus. The Bible says, he came into his own, and his own received him not. Uh, Listen, he was the Messiah. He was who God said was going to come, and they rejected him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Are you ready? Romans 10 and verse number 1. Verse number 1. Now, now remember, now remember, when we start this, uh, he's kind of refuting the idea that Paul is against the Jewish people and the Jewish tradition, okay? So this is what he's dealing with. He's reassuring them, just like he did in the beginning of chapter number 9, that he loves the Jewish people, and he cares about the Jewish people, and he is reassuring them here in these first couple of verses. He says this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and they're going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of what? Faith. Faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, sweetest words in the Bible, Thou shalt be saved. Amen. Let's just say that again. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, help us today. Help us tonight. Lord, help us to glean from your word. Lord, use us for your glory. Magnify yourself in this study. 
Magnify yourself in this word. I pray, God, that you'll build us, strengthen us, bless us, help us, give us what we stand in need of to go out there and fight the devil again. And, Lord, we'll thank you for all that you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. First off, let's talk about the reasons for the rejection. The reasons for the rejection. Uh, man, the, the nation of Israel was privileged above all people of the earth. They had, they had the covenants. They had, they had the word. They had the law. They had the sacrifices. They had all of the things that should have told them and should have informed them who Jesus was. And yet, even that, when he did come, they rejected him. When he did come and proclaim who he was, they rejected him. When he did come and tell them the truth, when he did come and perform miracles, when he did come and turn water into wine, when he did come and heal the lame, when he did come and heal the blind, when he did come and heal the sick, when he did come and calm the storm. Are y'all with me? When he did come and walk on the water, even with all of that, they rejected him. They rejected him. They rejected his ministry. They rejected his mission. They rejected his message. Everything about him. They didn't want to have anything to do with him, and they killed him. Now, what is this all about? Number one, let's look at the reasons, the reasons for, his, for their rejection. First, first, if we're taking notes, A, I want you to write this down. We see they rejected him because they re, they, we see they're ignoring of reality. Write that word down, reality. We see they're ignoring of reality. You see, the basic truth is, they didn't think they needed to be saved. They didn't think they needed a savior. They were looking for a political Messiah, but not a spiritual Messiah. You see, they didn't think they needed it. They didn't think they had an issue. And, and by the way, that not a whole lot changed today. It's not hard getting people saved. It's, getting, it's hard getting people lost. It's hard for people to realize where they stand with God, especially if they're good moral people. Now, they didn't think they needed salvation. They considered the Gentiles in need of salvation, not the Jews. Now, in several of his parables, Jesus, he, he, he addressed this situation. You remember when they were talking about uh, they had issues with him hanging out with sinners and being a friend to sinners and, and, uh, and him spending time with the, the outcast of society? And he told the story about the prodigal son. Y'all remember that story? And in a, it's, it's really amazing that all of my life, all of my life, uh, there was more emphasis made about the prodigal son than was the brother. And the whole story, the whole story is about the elder brother. But every, every, pre, every message I've ever heard preached on it, every lesson I've ever heard taught on it, was how you can get away from God, but God will bring you back. And that's good. I mean, you can apply it, and that's great. And I'm glad God will take the prodigal back. Amen. I'm glad for all that, but the whole premise of the story was about a boy leaving and a boy getting away from God and getting separated from God and, and, or separated from the father and the father accepting him back and receiving him back and the brother getting mad because he received the sinner. And the, the older brother represented the Jewish people and re represented the Jewish Pharisees. Because he didn't like the fact that even though it was a good thing, even though that he's come out of the world, even though he's coming back home, he was mad about it. And he was mad because the father received the sinner. And Jesus told that story and pointed his finger in their face and said, you're just like him. Here I am going to people who need me. It's not, it's not the, the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. The sinner needs a savior. And here I am, but you don't think you need nobody. Basically, he told them this, you're the blind leading the blind. And when the blind leads the blind, they're both going to end up in the ditch. But the reason they rejected Jesus is because they didn't think they had a problem. Spiritually. The only problem they wanted fixed is to get Rome off their back. Here they are in bondage. Here they are in slavery, if you will, to the Roman government and the Roman hierarchy and the Roman bondage. And listen, they wanted to get a government off their back. They didn't realize that they were sinners in need of a Savior. You see, they were ignoring reality. 
Not only that, y'all remember the story? Y'all remember the story with the Pharisee in, in, in church? In church, well, actually in the temple, which basically is in church. He's over here at the altar and saying, God, I'm glad, I'm glad I did this and I did this good deed and that good deed. And I'm glad I'm not like that sinner over there. Y'all remember? That's what they thought they were. We're God's chosen. We're special. We have, we have all of these things. Around. We're God's people. I'm glad we ain't like them. God, and Paul is saying, you're just like them. They ignored reality. The reason they rejected Jesus, they ignored reality. They were happy for political salvation from Rome, but they didn't feel a need for spiritual salvation. Not only do we see the ignoring of reality, but write this down. We see the intensity of their religion. The intensity of their religion. They were very, very passionate about their religion. You notice I keep saying religion. Religion is a basic set of beliefs or a basic set of rules and laws to, to live by and, 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 and standards, if you will. They were very, very passionate about following the letter of the law. But they were very ignorant about who wrote it. And here they are. They have a religion that they're very passionate about. Look what he says. Look what he says in verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. They're very passionate about religion. They're very passionate about God. They're very passionate about the law, their religion. But he says, but not according to knowledge. Here's the deal. Ever since Israel returned to their land from Babylonian captivity, the nation had been cured of idolatry. In the temple and in the local synagogues, only the true God was worshipped and served, and only the true law was taught. Now, here's, here's what got them in trouble. So zealous were the Jews that they even improved on God's law and added their own traditions, making them equal to the law. In other words, God, you didn't have enough rules for us. We made up some for ourselves. They had the Torah and the Mishnah. The Torah was God's written law. The Mishnah was the oral law. In other words, we're going to add some rules to what God said. For illustration, illustration, God said, don't work on the Sabbath. He said, you need to rest. You need to take a day and rest. But how many of y'all have heard the phrase in the Bible, a Sabbath day's journey? Y'all have read that in the Bible. He took a Sabbath day. It was about a Sabbath day's journey. What that means is uh, the, 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 the Torah, God's law that he gave Moses to give them, it said rest on the Sabbath. But they added, they added laws and rules to that that said you can only walk a certain amount of steps on the Sabbath, and if you go over a certain amount of steps, then you broke it. Y'all with me? And see, this is where the conflict was. When Jesus came to this earth, he fulfilled completely without breaking any of the Torah. In other words, the law God gave. But he was constantly stomping on the law that they made. And it made them mad. And, and they would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? He never broke any of God's law. Now see, now here's the deal. We've done the same thing today. We've done the same thing in church today. In modern day America, we've got Pharisaical church, the, 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 the churches all over America, who's made up their own rules and made up their own traditions and added to God, and, and it's hindering people from coming to Christ. And then when people break out and said, we're going to just be biblical, that's it. We're going to be, there's people right now that it just, it just chaps them to no end that I'm standing up here with a long sleeve shirt and no tie. And I, I just love it. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Why add to why add to the laws that listen, let me ask you a question. If our goodness and not the best we can do, the very best we can do in God's eyes is as filthy rags. Do you think you're gonna press in with a suit? Now here's the thing. I think we need to wear appropriate stuff. I think we need to come to church dressed appropriately. I, I think it needs to be modest, and I think it needs to be appropriate, but I don't think we need to add to what God said but that's what they were doing and and what what had happened what had happened here we got God's law over here we may not finish this lesson today but we're gonna get as far as we can amen but here we have here we have all of God's law 
Then we have all of their rules. And what had happened is they started, they started tending more toward their rules than God's. And this became more holy than what God said. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember when Jesus said this? He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He didn't see somebody out there carrying rocks on their back and said that. That's not what he was talking about. What he saw was the common people being beat down and oppressed by all the rules and laws that the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders were making up. And they were so burdened down with tradition. And he said, I tell you what, come to me. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You don't know how liberating it is to put my long sleeve shirt on and come break the bread to you tonight. I'm telling you, there's nothing like freedom. There's nothing like liberty. And I tell you what, and there's nothing more crushing and heavy than trying to please everybody and make everybody else happy. Come unto me, all you that labor in heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. And I believe, I believe he was in reference to the Torah. Let's just get back to God's word. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. You know why? My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. When you try to stay up with religious people, you're going to be tired. Because they can't even remember all the rules they've made up. They just know when you break one. Amen? I don't know where that come from, but it's here. Amen? They made up their own laws, made up their own rules, and they were very zealous. About How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, people today, they're so fired up about stuff that's not even in the Bible. Their zeal was not based on knowledge. It was heat without light. And, and by the way, you start talking about this stuff with people, and they will get heated. And this is, this is what you always do. This is what you always do. Okay, give me chapter and verse. You see, you're going to run into a whole lot of people who's got a whole lot of heat, and they'll get heated about what they think and what they believe. But when you tell them to shed some light on it, Amen? <laughs> we having fun tonight. I hope the Ohio people can handle this. Amen. Sad to say, many religious people today are making the same mistake. They think that their good works and religious deeds will save them when actually these practices are keeping them from being saved. You know what Jesus said about it? You're making the word of God of none effect by your tradition. In other words, the very people you think you want to reach, you can't reach them because you're more interested in your tradition and your heritage than you are the truth of the Scripture. See, why did they reject them? Because, number one, they didn't think they needed it. They ignored reality. They didn't think they needed salvation. They thought they were good. Then they were very intense about their rules and their heritage and their traditions, their religion. And then, not only that, but I want you to see... They were very ignorant of redemption. We see their ignorance of redemption. He said they were, <clears throat> verse 3, verse 3. Isn't it fun just studying the Bible? I mean, we're just going verse by verse, and it's just rich. Amen. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. You see, this is what's so deceptive. They wanted to be righteous. They wanted to be right, but they were not doing it God's way. And see, that's why it's so deceptive in churches today, because people that are like this, they really have good intentions, and they really mean well, and they really think that they're, they're doing right by God. Hey, when they were killing Christians, Paul thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians. They were very zealous, but they were very ignorant. They wanted to be righteous, but they went. They tried to do it their way. Hey, does that remind you of somebody in a garden a long time ago? 
Well, I say in the garden, it was after they were kicked out of the garden. Cain and Abel. Abel, it, listen, it wasn't that Cain didn't offer a sacrifice. It wasn't that Cain didn't try to be religious. It wasn't that Cain didn't try to do something to please God. But he didn't want to do it God's way. He wanted to do it his own way. There's one thing we're going to have to all learn. This is not Burger King. We can't have it our own way. If it's not done God's way, it's not going to get done. Amen? Israel was ignorant of God's righteousness. Not because they had never been told. Not because they had never been told, but because they refused to learn. There is an ignorance that comes from a lack of opportunity. In other words, there's, for instance, there's kids that have not had the chance to go to school, and they're ignorant because they lacked opportunity. But then there's kids in, in school besides other kids, and they're, they're too goofy, and they goof off all the time, and they're ignorant because they ain't got no sense. Say amen. Y'all with me? And that's what we're looking at here. It wasn't that they didn't have a chance, and it wasn't that they didn't have. As a matter of fact, they had more opportunities than the Gentiles. But it was a pride issue. It was a pride issue. They had many opportunities to be saved. In their case, it was ignorance that stemmed from willful, stubborn resistance to the truth. They would not submit to God. They were proud of their own good works and religious self-righteousness and would not admit their sins and trust the Savior. Everything about the Jewish religion pointed to the coming Messiah. Their sacrifices, the priesthood, the temple services, the religious festivals, and covenants. Their law told them that they needed a Savior. Let me illustrate this way. Get my picture up there if you can, if you don't mind. Everything in the Old Testament, if you'll do this, if you'll go through the Old Testament and point an arrow, as you're going through the Old Testament, there's an arrow that points. Every chapter, every verse points, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Every one of their rituals, every one of their festivals, every one of, of their sacrifices, the story of Joseph, the story of Isaac going up the side of that mountain carrying that wood which represents Jesus and the cross. Are y'all with me? The ram caught in the thicket by his horns is a representation of God being the sacrifice, Jesus taking our place. Joseph is the greatest type of Christ in the Bible. He was hated by his brothers. He was sold for silver. He took a Gentile bride. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all get that later. We're the bride of Christ. Man, every chapter pointed to Jesus. He's coming. He's coming. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. All, and by the way, I know them all. All the way to Malachi. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Here we go in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. Romans. Romans and Acts, especially Acts. Acts, he goes back to glory. He goes back to glory. You know? We see that we see the uh, 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 Acts one eight. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And 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 in Acts, listen, he goes up in the cloud, and from the point he goes up into the cloud, he's saying he's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again. The whole Bible is about Jesus. He's the truth of the Bible. He's the treasure of the Bible. He's the theme of the Bible. How many of y'all have ever had one of them, them, red, them red things you put the disc in? Viewmaster. You see, you look to two eyeballs, but you see one picture. If you look through the Old Testament and you look through the New Testament, you don't see nothing but Jesus coming again he's coming again he's coming again and everything that they had in the old testament leading up to him he's coming and he's here and they rejected him they said no no you see how powerful this is listen they chose on purpose to be ignorant everything pointed to it 
But instead of letting the law bring them to Christ, they worshiped their law and rejected their Savior. You see, the law was a signpost pointing the way. What did you do with my picture? All right. It's hard to find good help, y'all. I tell you, it really is. Now, now look, that's a signpost. What does a signpost do? It gives direction. It tells you where to go. All right, where, what direction is this signpost given? How to get to where? Christ. So that when you get to Christ, that is the destination. Getting to the signpost is not the destination. Getting to Christ is the destination. Y'all with me? Now watch. They cared. Devil's messing with my mic. They cared more about the post than they did who the post was pointing to. The law of the Old Testament was not there to save them because it couldn't. We've done established that. We're not going to go over that again. We've done covered that in the beginning of Romans. All the, all the law was supposed to do was to point to Jesus. Now watch what he says, verse 4. Remember, going verse by verse, Bible study. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. In other words... When you follow the post, you're going to end up at Christ. But see, instead of getting to the destination, they fell in love with the post. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I go to Disney World, I get excited when I see the, the sign that says Disney World. But not nothing like I get excited when I see Mickey. Amen? Now, here's the deal. They were so hung up on the law, they thought that that was the end. That was the destination. That was the, you know, are y'all with me? And they fell in love and they worshipped the law and rejected their Savior. Now, now by the way, let me say this, and I hope y'all get me because I'm, I'm a Bible man. I love the Bible. The Bible's precious. The Word of God is precious to me. And I, I've learned it my whole life, and I've studied, and I've tried to live it. And, 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 and I, I, I'm telling you, I love my Bible. But listen, the Bible is just here to point us to the one who wrote it. And it really irritates me to see preachers who will preach about the Bible and not preach the Bible. It's like defending a lion in a cage. Don't defend him. Cut the sucker loose. It will defend itself. I love my Bible. But I'm telling you, it is there to bring us to Jesus. Are y'all with me? They fell in love with the post. And they didn't recognize who the post was pointing to. It was a signpost pointing the way. It could never take them to their destination. The law cannot give righteousness. It only leads the sinner to the Savior. Who can give righteousness? Okay. Now first we see, first we see, first we see why they rejected him. They didn't think they needed him. They were very zealous. They were very, you know, passionate about their religion. And Jesus just got in the way. And, and, and then they were really ignorant about how to truly be redeemed, how to truly be saved, how to really come to God, because they were trying to do it their own way. They didn't understand that Christ was the way. And, and so, so there's a few things. There's a few things I, that, that Paul, he takes a few verses here, verses 6 down through verse 13, to explain what salvation was really about. There's a few things he wanted you to know about salvation. And I think we all need to know. First, number one, if you're writing this down. Verses 6 and 7. Look what he says. But the righteous. Well, let me go back to verse 5. Verse 5. Uh, 
Actually, verse 4 and 5 go together discussing the law. Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, if you're going to try to, if you're going to, try to live by the, or, 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 or be righteous by the law, you've got to live by the law. And, and it's already been proven that we couldn't. It's already been proven that we, we did not have the ability to live completely by the law. We would break it. We would mess it up. And, if, and the Bible says, in, I believe it's in James, if you're guilty of one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. Well, I ain't never killed nobody. I ain't, I ain't never stole. I've never, I've never committed adultery. I've never, have you ever lied? Careful when you answer. You may give yourself away. And if you have even told a little white lie, does this make me look ugly? Come on, tell the truth. I believe there's sometimes it's okay to tell a fib. Amen, right there. I don't know where that comes from because it's not in my notes. Amen. Salvation is simple. Write that down. Number one, we can't live by the law. We're going to break it. So he begins to describe in verse 6, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. You see, they were trying to live or, or experience righteousness by following the law. That's impossible. So he begins to describe the righteousness by faith. You see, the Jews believed in law righteousness. What kind of righteousness? In other words, you've got to follow this set of rules, this set of commandments, this set of, all right? That's how you're going to get righteous. He said, no, it don't work because you can't. You're going to mess it up, all right? So now he's going to describe to them in these next few verses what faith righteousness is all about. He's going to describe to them this, and this is what he says. Verse 6, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend up into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. It's even in your mouth. It's in thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. Watch this. He told us that God's way, Paul is saying, God's way of salvation is not difficult and complicated. We make it complicated. God didn't. We do not have to go up to heaven to find Christ or into the world of the dead. We don't have to go down below to find him, to bring him up to us. He's near to us. In other words, the gospel of Christ, the word of faith, is available and accessible. The sinner need not perform difficult works in order to be saved. All he has to do is trust Christ. Isn't that great? Everybody in this room has a different level of intellect. Everybody in this room has a different physical ability and, and a different talent level. Everybody in here is different. But God made it in such a way that every single person in here could find Christ if they wanted. Hallelujah. doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter your 401K. It doesn't matter your portfolio. It doesn't matter your degree. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter anything. All you got to have is faith in him. What an awesome God. Paul is saying, this is simple, guys. This is simple. Salvation is simple. Not only is salvation simple, number two, salvation is completely by faith. Verses 8 through 11. It's completely by faith. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and sh- now, now, now get this with me, get this with me, stay with me now. You got to remember, he's talking to people who believe you got to follow and, and live by a certain list of rules to get saved. And he's explaining to them, it's by faith. It's not by works. You can't be good enough to get in. You can't work your way there. Y'all with me? So that's why he's saying that. And that's why he's going into such detail to explain what faith is. If you'll just believe with your heart. Confess with thy mouth, O Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Paul quoted Isaiah 28, 16 to show that salvation is by faith. He says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. He quoted this verse before in Romans 9, 33, and he made it clear in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that salvation is by faith. We believe in the heart, receive God's righteousness, and then with the mouth we confess Christ openly and without shame. Here's the way I explain it. When I sign Bibles, I, sometimes when I go preach off, uh, for some reason they, they want me to sign, the, the, some of the young people, they'll come to me and want me to sign their Bible, and I'll always sign my name, and I'll put Romans 10, 9, and 10. And, I, and I'll say this, and, and even when I'm witnessing to somebody or sharing the gospel with somebody, leading somebody to Christ, I will always use these verses amongst other verses, but these two verses primarily, because I want them to understand, it's not what you say with your mouth. You can't mess this up. In other words, I've had people come to me and I don't know if I said the prayer right. And that's a real legitimate worry in their heart because they think you've got to say a prayer a certain way, and, and, and it's not about that. The thief on the cross said, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus said, out of work. How you know he said that? Because he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. See, it wasn't... How, how or what he said, it was what he did with his heart. And this is what I try to tell folks. Listen, salvation is not a certain prayer you pray. It's a belief in your heart. And if there is a belief in your heart, it'll come out your mouth. And what you're doing with your mouth is just what your heart's already done. I need a witness. Because whosoever believeth is not ashamed. How could I be ashamed of what God's done for me? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we got time on the clock, people. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm having fun, ain't y'all? It's by faith. He says salvation is not only simple, it is by faith. Say it with me. It is by For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. And because it's by faith, number three, it's very accessible. It's very accessible, number three. Verse 12, look what verse 12 says. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Now, you've got to understand, this is, that's a big-time statement to these folks. Because some of, them, some of them Jewish people wouldn't spit on a Gentile if they was on fire. And, and there, was a, there was a common belief, too. A lot of them didn't even believe Gentiles or Samaritans had souls. How many of y'all remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Why do you think Jesus used a Samaritan in that story? Can you imagine these Jews who didn't even think God loved Samaritans? Or See, you've got to understand, uh, Samaritan was a half-breed. They were half-Jew and half-Gentile. When the Assyrians came in and they began to intermarry and mix, they, they, there was a certain race of people, which is the Samaritan people, and the, and the Gentiles didn't want them, and the Jews sure didn't want them. And they didn't even think God loved them. But Jesus said, that was the good one. The good Samaritan. And see, in this thing, when he said, there's no difference between you and the sinner. What? What are you talking about? You see how big this statement is now? He's saying, look, we've already covered. And y'all remember, how many of y'all been here through most of the whole Romans deal? You remember in the very beginning of Romans when we said that he was clarifying everybody's guilty? For there is none righteous, no, not one. None righteous, no, not one. He's already declared everybody guilty. Now he's saying not only is everybody guilty, but everybody comes to God the same way. Amen. He quotes, he quotes the Old Testament again, too. Now, now think about this. And and, and when we talked about faith, he quoted Isaiah 28. When he's talking about the accessibility of salvation in verse 12 and 13, he's quoting Joel 2.32. Now, here's, here's, a, here's a cool fact. Here's a cool deal. He's quoting Old Testament Scripture because that's all they had. Now, now we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. But he, now watch this. You've got to get this, guys. You've got to get this because if I die and go to heaven in that plane, and I hope that don't happen, say amen. But if something was to happen to me and I leave, 
you better not ever get a jive turkey that don't preach the word. It bet everything he says, everything he teaches, everything he, he tries to, to, to get you to believe, he better have chapter and verse for it. You see, he's preaching truth, and he's teaching truth to these people, but everything he says, he backs it up with the word. Y'all see that? You see, in this, in this, this statement, he is quoting Joel 2.32 to prove that salvation is open to everyone. And it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul had already proved that there was no difference in condemnation. Now he affirms there's no difference in salvation. Instead of the Jew having a special righteousness of his own through the law, he was declared to be as much a sinner as the Gentile he condemned. Man, that had to rattle their chain right there. Verse verse 12, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. How many of y'all are glad of that? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. Education or no education, money or no money, class or no class, don't matter. We come to God the same way, same way. Number three, number two, ooh, we got to hurry. Number two, the remedy for rejection. Paul kind of explained what their problem was and why they rejected him. Now he's, he, he's going to tell them what they need to do about it. Verse number 14. Verse 14, have you found your spot? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a... How shall they preach except they be sent? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, three things I want to share with you under the remedy. First, I want you to see the program. Write that down. Verse 14. Verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe on him in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? The only way unbelieving Jews can be saved is by calling on the Lord. But before they can call on him, they got to believe. For the Jew, now here's, here's why this is so difficult. For the Jew, it meant believing that Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In other words, that lowly carpenter's son that came out of that village. And, and you remember, I think it was Nathaniel. Was it Nathaniel that said, could any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, really? Because they said, we found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. We found him. Where did he come from? You know, over there in Bethlehem, Nazareth. Over there. Really? You see, this was, this was, this don't even make sense. You mean a poor person? Somebody with no, they had to believe that he was the Christ. That he was the Messiah. He was truly the Son of God. It also meant believing in his death and resurrection. But in order to believe, they must hear the word. For it is the word that creates faith in the heart of the hearer. This meant that a herald of the word must be sent, and it is the Lord who does the sending. Don't put B up yet. Don't put B. So how many of y'all know the program? They hear the word, they believe the word, they call on Jesus. Y'all with me? All right. We see the program, then B. How shall they hear? Now what do y'all think B is? We see A is the program, B is the, what is it? That's what you think, isn't it? But I didn't put that word on purpose. The proclaimer. Proclaimer. If you look up that word preacher in your concordance, the definition of that in the, in the Greek terminology is this, a proclaimer, a one who heralds truth to publish. Now, why do you think I didn't put preacher? Say it again. Stand up and turn and look that way and, and, and say it like you mean it. You see, when we ultimately, yep, we, somebody needs to preach and get up there in the pulpit and say, no, 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 no. 
See, I can't go to work with you. I can't go to school with you. I can't go to the supermarket with you. That's where evangelism takes place. Jesus met the woman at the well. Peter and John met the cripple outside the gate. What would happen if our church understood the fact that we are all proclaimers? We'd have to have 17 services a Sunday. We're sitting back on our haunches waiting on the preacher to get everybody in. Wrong. If you're saved, you're a proclaimer. If you're saved, you've got good news. What am I supposed to tell them? What happened to you? If nothing happened to you, you didn't get saved. I would encourage you to come to Jesus and get saved and then tell them what happened to you. Hey, how about, how about the demoniac? You know the dude running around in the graveyard with no clothes on? The new dude in a rude mood. He was mean. He was demon-possessed. Didn't have no clothes on. He was crazy. Now, that means in the summertime, you run around with no clothes on, you're crazy. And if you only have half your clothes on, you're half crazy. Amen? What happened? He runs into Jesus. And the Bible says he falls at his feet. And, oh, when you run into Jesus, it changes everything. And the Bible says when they come, the villagers heard about it, and they came, and they came because all the demons run out of him and went in them hogs, and them hogs went in the creek. Actually, the ocean killed every one of them, shook them up. But when they come to where he was, the Bible says he was sitting, and he was clothed. That means when you're in your right mind, you keep your clothes on. He was seated and clothed and in his right mind. Amen. This is Sunday morning worthy, ain't it? Amen. It sure is. And this is what happened. Jesus goes to leave. Jesus goes to leave, and he wants to go with him. I'm going to get on the bus. He said, no, 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 no. You need to go back to your friends and your family, and you need to tell them what God has done for you. You know what he's telling him? Son, you have been delivered. You have been saved. You have been helped. Now you're a proclaimer. Go tell. You might not know every book of the Bible. You not, 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 you, man, you might not even can find Job, amen, or Job or whatever you want to call it, but you have got the truth. God has done something for you. Now go tell somebody. Go tell somebody. Proclaim the good news. If Jesus can save you, he can save anybody. He can, he can, amen. Y'all know them people in Ohio are going to make fun of the way I talk. Because the first thing I'm going to do when I stand, I'm going to say, hi, y'all. How y'all doing? The proclaimer. We are to publish the truth. We're a messenger that goes out. And this is what God says about you. When you go tell somebody the truth and the good news, God thinks you're pretty special. Beautiful are the feet of those that spread the good news. Amen. Amen. Look here. C. You see the program. B. What is B? The proclaimer. And then C. I want you to see the problem. The problem. Verse 16, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when somebody shares the gospel. It's a beautiful thing when somebody brings good news. But, but, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith this, Lord, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our report? Now, now, we're still focusing on the Jewish people. They had the covenant. They had the sacrifices. They had the illustrations in the Old Testament. They had the, the great, you know, types of Christ in the Old Testament. They even had the preaching of the gospel. But they didn't believe. Isaiah 53 was Paul's next quotation. Proving that not all of Israel would obey his word. 
In Isaiah's day, the people did not believe God's word, nor do they believe it today. John 12, 37, 41 cites Isaiah 53, 1 to explain how the nation saw Christ's miracles and still refused to believe. That's a, to me, that's incredible. How do you see that and say, hmm, I don't know. How do you see a man stand on the bow of a ship and say, peace, be still, and the calmness comes across everything? How do you see a man walk up to a graveyard and holler in somebody's name out of one of them tombs, Lazarus, come forth, and he does. He's dead. He ain't in a coma. He's dead. Four days. Dead. He's thinking he's dead so long. And he comes forth. What about, what about the crowd that went in the, went in the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest Jesus? And the Bible said they're looking for Jesus. We want to know who Jesus is. He said, that's me. Whew. The power of his word blowed them down. Study it and see if it's not the truth. Just the power of his spoken word blew them down. They got back up. We're looking for Jesus. He said, I done told you, it's me. Peter goes and cuts the servant's ear off, cuts Malchus's ear off. Now, I don't know, I, I don't know if you get this, but he wasn't. I don't believe that's the way it happened. I believe he was trying to cut his head off, and he went. Don't y'all get this? Read your Bible, it's there. Jesus reached down, picks the ear up, and puts it back. And they arrest him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd have been one of them soldiers, and I saw that, I'd say, Am I right? But the Bible said they saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, even to the point that Jesus had to say this. He said, if them people in Tyre and Sidon would have saw what you saw, they would have repented a long time ago. You're even, you're even more guilty. Because of all that you saw. Now let me say this. Before we jump down to the Jew's throat. How many, how many really miracles have we seen in church where God just came in and helped people and saved people? You didn't think God could save and paid bills. We didn't think God could pay. And we still doubt him. So we can't be too judgmental. Amen. But they refuse to believe. Because they would not believe, judgment came on them, and they could not believe. Note that trusting Christ is not only a matter of believing, but also obeying. Say that with me. Trusting Christ is not only a matter of believing, but also obeying. Not to believe on Christ is to disobey God. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Romans 6, 17 also equates believing and obeying. Say this with me. True faith must touch the will and result in a changed life. I have a real problem believing people who say they got saved and are not different. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The word really means creation. So, so when people come and say, oh, yeah, I got saved, or I trusted Christ, and they're living the same way, I have a real hard time with that. Amen? Let's look quickly. Let's look quickly the results of the rejection. Verse number 18. Verse 16 said they didn't believe. Verse 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you realize every time you come on Wednesday night and you're hearing the word of God talk, your faith is growing? Your faith is growing. And the more you cultivate it, and the more you study it, and the more you read it, and the more you hear it, the more your faith is growing. And you'll find out this, that there's not any less stuff that happens to you. In other words, you're still going to get as many trials as you got before, but you handle them different. It doesn't bother you as bad. 
it doesn't affect you like it used to. And you went, well, I'm just not having trouble like I, yes, you are. But see, you're stronger now. Me and, me and Jeremy, we, we went in, in, to the gym today, and uh, I can tell I ain't been in a while. But I found out this, when you're hitting them weights, and you're, you're, you're pushing them weights, you're like, oh, my gracious. And then after a while, you've been doing a while, boy, this ain't, this ain't as heavy as it was. No, it's the same weight. Ain't nothing change about what's on the bar. But you're getting stronger. And that's why this is so important. Amen? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But, verse 18, but I say, have they not all heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words into the ends of the world. Now, here's what we're going to see. What are the results of their rejection? What are the results of the Israelites' rejection? First, excuses removed. God took away all their excuses. Verse 18, did they hear? Yeah, they heard. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words under the ends of the world. Watch this. Two things. Two things really, really made the Jewish nation guilty. Someone might have argued with Paul, but how do you know that Israel really heard? His reply would have come from Psalms 19.4, a psalm that emphasizes the revelation of God in the world. God reveals himself in creation and in his word. The book of nature and the book of revelation. Underline those two things. We know God by the book of nature and by the book of Revelation. Now, he's not talking about Revelation, the end of the Bible. He's talking about the revelation of God's word, Genesis, Genesis 2 Revelation. In other words, there's two things that tells us there's a God, the Bible and creation. We have no excuse. Nobody has any excuse, even if they can't read, because the mountains say there's a God. The stars say there's a God. The ocean says there's a God. Are y'all with me? You're, the human body says there's a God. The human body is so intricate. It, there is so many things about the human body. Man does, still doesn't even know how it all works. Everything in nature says there's a God. And you see, the Jewish people had the book of nature and they had the book of Revelation or the word of God to reveal to them who God was. They have no excuse. No excuse. They go together to proclaim the glory of God. Israel had the benefit of both books. She saw God work in nature and received God's written word. Israel heard, but she would not, help me, she heard, but she would not, no wonder Jesus often had to say to the crowds, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Not only was the excuses removed, but then B, because of Israel's rejection of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, we see the exiled received. Jesus went from, or God went from the Jewish nation to the Gentile world. It happened after the stoning of Stephen. After the stoning of Stephen, they was all about the Jew, going to the Jew, the Jew first. But then after the stoning of Stephen, God turned and went to the Gentiles. God has set the Jewish nation as a nation aside to build the church. Now watch, what marvelous grace, what grace. When Israel rejected her Messiah, God sent the gospel to the Gentiles that they might be saved. This was predicted by Moses in Deuteronomy 32, 21. One reason why God sent the gospel to the Gentiles was that they might provoke the Jews to jealousy. It was an act of grace both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. First, the Gentiles was going to get saved, and by the Gentiles coming to Christ, it was going to cause the Jews to want what they had. I need a witness. Isn't God smart? You see, even in their rejection, God still works it out. God still has a plan. It was, it was an act of grace, both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. The prophet Isaiah predicted, too, that God would save the Gentiles. In Isaiah 65, 1. Now, as you study the New Testament, you discover that to the Jew first is a ruling principle of operation. Jesus began his ministry with the Jews. He forbade his disciples to preach to the Gentiles or the Samaritans when he sent them on their first tour of ministry. After his resurrection, he commanded them to wait in Jerusalem and to start their ministry there. 
And in the first seven chapters of Acts, the ministry is to the Jews and to the Gentiles who were Jewish proselytes. In other words, the Gentiles that had come under the Jewish religion and, and, and conformed to the Jewish uh, uh, religion there. And, uh, but when the nation stoned Stephen and persecution broke loose, God sent the gospel to the Samaritans and then to the Gentiles. Now, what happened? When they rejected the Messiah, excuses were removed. The exiled were received, verses 19 and 20. Watch what it says. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. Who is he talking about? The Gentiles. I'm going to make the Jewish nation jealous by saving the, the Gentile nation. And by a foolish nation will I anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of them that sought me not. Who didn't seek him but found him? The Gentiles. I was made manifest unto them that asked not of me. Then I want you to see, see, last verse, verse 21. The result of their rejection was their excuses were removed. Verse 18. The exiled, which is the Gentiles nation, was received. Verses 19 and 20. And then verse 21. We see an effort that's realized. We see an effort that's realized. What did God say? But to Israel, even though he's reaching out and building the church with the Gentile world, he's building the church with the Gentile and, and also saved Jewish people who are coming to Christ. But he's still saying to the Jewish people, to Israel, he saith, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient gainsaying people. This quotation is from Isaiah 65, 2. All day long certainly refers to this present day of salvation or day of grace in which we live. While Israel as a nation has been set aside, the individual Jewish people can be saved and are being saved. The phrase all day long makes us think of Paul's ministry to the Jews in Rome when he arrived there as a prisoner. From morning till evening, Paul expounded the scriptures to them and sought to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. Through Paul... God was stretching out his arms of love to his disobedient people, yearning over them and asking them to return. God's favor to the Gentiles did not change his love for the Jews. Say that with me. God's favor to the Gentiles did not change his love for the Jews. God wants to use us to share the gospel with both Jews and Gentiles. God can use our feet and our arms just as he used Paul's. Uh, Jesus Christ wept over Jerusalem and longed to gather his people in his arms. But instead, those arms were stretched out on a cross where he willingly died for the Jews and Gentiles alike. God is a long-suffering, say amen. He's long-suffering and patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now here's the question. Here's the question. Is God's patience going to wear out with Israel? Is God's patience going to wear out with Israel? Is there a future for the nation again? Come next week and find out. Amen? And you will hear the rest of the story. Amen? Chapter number 11 is all about the restoration of Israel. They were elected in chapter 9. They rejected in chapter 10. But thank God, God has a plan of restoration in chapter number 11. Amen? Isn't it good to study the Word? Now, how many of y'all love Jesus? Amen. How many of y'all love me? At least lie. Amen? Now, look, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Uh, y'all going to stand your feet first. Amen? We're going to stand your feet, stretch your legs. We're going to pray and dismiss. But I'm going... I'm going to Ohio. I'm going to Ohio, flying out early in the morning. I got to get up before the Lord in the morning, amen, and and be there way early in the morning and fly to Logan, Ohio, and uh, and and I don't know these people. I've never been in this church. I've never seen them before, but they've heard of me, and they want me to come, and y'all know how I don't like meeting new people, and I don't know what it's going to be like, and I'm going to be nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof, so this is what I need you to do. I need you sometime tomorrow, I need you to pray for your preacher. And this is what I want you to pray. God, anoint him like you did John the Baptist. Anoint him like you did Peter on the day of Pentecost. Anoint him like you did Paul on Mars Hill. Pray for the anointing of God. And pray that I'll be able to help them folks 
and, uh, and, it's, and, it's, and if he does, it'll be good. Amen? All right, let's pray. What you got? All right, quickly. Oh. Uh, Anna Hancock got, was, got saved tonight. Got saved tonight in Awanas. Let's give God praise and glory right there. Amen. Woohoo! Yeah. Amen. Church, say amen. Am I working? Yeah, she had evidently talked with her mom, and I think Ashley Fell had something to do with it. We just talked with her tonight and just confirmed everything. So amen. She knew exactly the right answers for everything, so that's awesome. Real quick, one quick thing. Your kids should have, you should have gotten one of these when your kids were checked in tonight. In uh, the kids' corner, Awana, or for everything, for Awanas back there. Check it out. It's very important. We're going to try our best this year to do a children's Christmas musical so um, we need lots of prayer, lots of yes, prayer. Yes, you do. So, um, but anyways, check it out. There's very important information on that for you to look at. Okay. All right. Now, listen. What are you gonna do tomorrow? Pray. What are you What are you praying for? Anointing. Amen. Pray for the anointing and and pray that, that this redneck southerner will get across to them Yankee people. Amen. I'm preaching on the subject. The South will rise again. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. All right. All right, let's pray. Isn't it fun to come to church? It is. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank God for his goodness. God, thank you so much for loving us just like we are. God, we didn't have to, we didn't have to, 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 to do anything to come to you. You came to us. And God, you have forgiven us and touched us right where we are. I pray, God, that you'll bless us now as we go home. All these people work hard today. God, they're tired and they're wore out. And Lord, help them get double rest tonight. Lord, double rest tonight because they're going to go out and they're going to proclaim you tomorrow. They're going to proclaim the truth and what happened to them, and they're going to tell somebody else the good news of Jesus. And not only that, Lord, we're going to Ohio to preach, and Lord, please help me. Please help my nerves. Please help me not to be nervous, and I pray that the anointing of God will be so real up there. I pray that you'll give me the power to preach your word like never before. And I pray that you'll give us a safe trip there and back, and Lord, your will be done this Sunday. I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to let me preach, and it's going to be good. And I pray that you'll anoint that too. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody.